You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks, and want to let you know if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, I encourage you to consider hitting that subscribe button if you're sick like us and you like juicy debates on controversial topics. Also, want to let you know we are a nonpartisan platform. In other words, the channel itself has no positions. Our goal is to only host debates and let the debaters make their cases, and then you, the audience, decide who you think is most persuasive. So no matter what walk of life you're from, Christian, atheist, agnostic, Jedi, and even Sith, want to let you know we hope you feel welcome and we're glad you're here. So with that, we're going to quick get into the format for tonight's debate. After that, I will give a quick chance for all of the speakers to introduce themselves as well as share what you can find at their links as their links below. Now, for the format, it's fairly flexible. 12 minutes split by each team, followed by open discussion for about 50 to 60 minutes and Q&A at the end for about 30 minutes. So if you haven't have any questions, feel free to fire them into the old live chat. If you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, it makes it easier for me to get every question in that list. And also, Super Chat is an option if you'd like, in which case it'll bump your question to the top of the list. And it will also give you the opportunity, if you want, to make a comment or objection to one or several of the speakers, to which they, of course, would get a chance to respond to. So with that, very excited last little, you could say, channel housekeeping thing, which is, if you haven't heard, if you have been in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears, we at Modern Day Debate are now invading the podcast world. So if you have not found us on your favorite podcast, let us know and we will work to get on there so that you can listen to these debates via podcast as well. With that, we're going to introduce our guests. We will be going from left to right, as you see on your screen, folks. So we'll be starting with the Christians, first being praised, linked below in the description. Praise, glad to have you back. And what can people expect to find at your link in the description? Thank you, James. Um, I appreciate, I'm, I'm glad to be here and excited and ex excited for this discussion. And yeah, under my link, you'll expect to find apologetics for Christianity, a defense for the faith. And that's what I, um, I would say uh, am advanced, if you want to call it that, but uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Thank you.
Absolutely. And we will kick it over to first-timer Matthew. Glad to have you here with us. What can people expect to find at your link in the description? Uh, you can find absolutely nothing because I don't have a link that I'm aware of, but a lot of people watching this show probably knows me from a couple of the debate groups that I'm in on Facebook, uh, Atheist and Christian Debate Central, a couple of more. And, um, you know, I've debated on uh, uh, my good friend, Justin Downing, the Empathetic Atheist Show. Uh, I've debated this topic there. So, um, you know, you could probably find me there as well if anybody ever wants to to look that up, uh, he's got a great channel in which he um, encourages a good discussion without a lot of uh, attacking. You got so that's it. it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Matthew. And now for the atheist guests, glad to have you back, Amy. The floor is all yours. What could people expect to find at your link? Why, hello, everyone. So my name is Amy Newman, and at the link, you're going to find, I would say, a bunch of comedy and podcast material from a more skeptic, sometimes atheist perspective. And yeah, hope to have a fun debate. You got it. Glad to have you back, Amy. It's a pleasure. And we'll kick it over to Randolph. Glad to have you, president of the Canadian Atheists. We're glad to have you here. What can people expect to find at your links? Oh, it's a delight to be here. Thank you, James. Uh, well, um, of course, the at CanadianAtheists.ca, you can find out more about Canadian Atheists. And uh, we're always uh, wel welcoming new members and uh, accepting donations. Uh, it helps us to do the things that we're doing to advocate for uh, equality and, and normalization of atheism. And uh, you can also find me at my YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash Randolph Richardson. Remember, it's Randolph spelled with an F. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, this conversation slash debate, and I am delighted that you have included me in this. Thank you, James. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. I'm I'm excited, folks. I've been thinking about this today. I'm like, I feel like, one, I feel at home. I, it's been so busy. It's just been really hard to get to moderate often, but I'm excited to get to be here kind of moderating again and also feeling at home in the sense of these topics. We haven't really delved into this one in quite a while. And even like apologetics and atheism, I'm excited to kind of get back into these debates more regularly. We've been doing a lot of politics, which is fun, but we like to you know, mix it up, keep it going. So with that, we will kick it over to our theist or Christian guests who will start with their opening statements. Gentlemen, thanks so much. The floor is all yours. Um, so Matthew, you want me to start off or it's up to you, buddy? I guess it's you. He, he, Matthew, okay. you're muted. Yeah. He's muted. Yeah, that would be great. Go ahead and start. Awesome. Um, so to start off with, I express my gratitude to James for setting up this setting this up and I tip my hat off to my interlocutors for engaging in this for what I hope doesn't deteriorate into a shite show. In my numerous interactions with atheists and proponents of biblical slavery in the past, I've come to the conclusion that they are either blinded by presentism and, and or are clueless about ancient Near East scholarship. Consequently, the folly that comes from the proponents of biblical slavery can be weaponized if their ignorance and misconceptions go unchecked. The outcome, the outcome usually ends up being vacuous indictments 
against the God of the Bible. Not only does the biblical God outlaw all forms of subjugation, but any injustice at all. For example, the Ten Commandments forbids one to covet objects, which is inclusive of humans as well. As Exodus 20, 20 verse 17 reads, However, chattel slavery requires one to covet a human object. In fact, the definition of covet via dictionary.com reads as follows. To desire wrongfully, inordinately, or without due regard for the rights of others. In other words, the Ten Commandments outrightly says to not own people as chattel, which is contrary to the narrative atheists spout off about. What about Proverbs 22.8, which reads, if you plant the seeds of injustice, disaster will spring up and your oppression of others will end. Clearly, the God of the Clearly, clearly, the God of the Bible prohibits all injustice, which necessarily includes oppressive subjugation, which brings me to the Torah itself, where most of these accusations are derived from. Proponents of biblical slavery might say, sure, the Israelites had laws preventing slavery amongst their own people, but not against foreigners. But this... This just shows how biblically illiterate proponents of biblical slavery are, because if you read Exodus 22, 21, Exodus 23, 9, Leviticus 19, 33, and Deuteronomy 24, 14, they not only instruct to not slave foreigners, but they they even um, outlaw the, the vexing of them. So even vexing, they're even outlawed to do. Uh, amongst the uh, in the Torah, the Hebrew word yana is very specific. It means to not suppress or vex by several Hebrew lexicographers. So, what do we call the system? The A and E, the ancient Near East and Israelites were under. Then we call it voluntary servitude. Several ancient Near East scholars point this out. Quote: There is no evidence of chattel slavery in the ancient Near East. End quote. Dr. Paul Wright Rose. Then the, the now Bible outlets, page 27, quote, to me, it has become increasingly clear that what is going on here is employment and a kind of welfare system. I go so far as to abandon the word slave in favor of servant in the scripture, end quote. And this is Ignace Gelb. And, and, and lastly, quote, before I end this, before I pass my, the baton off to my buddy Matthew, this is my last quote. Equality before the law of social groups, including aliens and immigrants, is made explicit in Exodus 12:49, Leviticus 19:34, and Numbers 15:16. And this is Christopher Wright, ancient Near East scholar, Old Testament ethics. And with that, I pass my time off to Matthew. Well, thank you for that. Um, I would uh, like to, uh, first of all, thank everyone for uh, doing this debate. Uh, it seems slavery, uh, as uh, I as a Christian, once I started having a lot of discussions with atheists, it seemed to be their go-to argument. Um, and it seemed to be that they were looking at the Old Testament and the Bible in general from the lens of the modern social justice warrior uh, mentality, uh, the period um, past uh, the transatlantic slave trade, and their mind was uh, thinking of slaves in that context. Uh, so does the Bible condone slavery? Well, the word condone is kind of a vague word. 
so I looked at three or four different definitions. Uh, I come up with the Oxford definition, which I thought was the best. Uh, the definition is to accept behavior that is morally wrong or to treat it as if it were not serious. Uh, you would pretty much have to ignore the whole Bible if you were to make the argument that the Bible does not view slavery as serious. In fact, Jesus Christ, uh, the main purpose for Scripture, our Lord and Savior, was sold for the price of a gourd slave, uh, Exodus 21, 32. He was pierced and beat and killed to free us from uh, slavery, the bondage of, of sin. Jesus said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And reading from the prophet Isaiah, uh, he referred to himself saying this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The death and resurrection and the teachings of Jesus Christ changed the course of history as we know it and gave each believer freedom from slavery. It was a revolution for society, and it led the disciples and apostles to turn the world upside down. Peter and Paul refer to warnings against slavery in their writings afterwards. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter warns against false teachers, and he says, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to, for corruption, of corruption. For whatever overcomes a man, to that he is enslaved. Uh, Paul, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, tells uh, believers that if they can gain their freedom from slavery, to do so. And he calls uh, enslavers in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, ungodly, evil sinners. Uh, he also tells us, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. And in Galatians 5, he says this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So Jesus Christ... Yes. Okay. Galatians. Uh, so Jesus Christ is the slave, the ultimate slave abolitionist um, who inspired folks like Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr., Harriet Tubman, um, uh, William Wilberforce, John Newton, and many others to fight against oppressive slavery in society. Uh, the problem is, as I said, we read scripture through the lens of modern culture. Uh, in this, uh, this almost social justice warrior context. But what if you were to read it in the lens of, say, an Egyptian in Genesis who uh, was in a famine and had lost everything, and the right-hand man of Pharaoh, Joseph, a godly man who took care of them, um, was their master? Because in, that, in Genesis, um, the Egyptians willingly gave themselves as servants and by the way, that's the same Hebrew word for slave that you find in Exodus 21. So if they were looking at these passages under that context, under a godly, God-fearing uh, master, they would probably think there was nothing wrong with any of these passages in the Old Testament or anywhere in the Bible 
concerning slavery. So it's all about the context of how we read scripture. And I'm afraid today, every atheist that I've ever discussed the topic on always reads it through the lens of the modern uh, social justice warrior approach. And that is my opening. Thanks so much. We'll kick it over to our atheist guests for their opening. The floor is all yours, Amy and Randall. Hmm. Uh, you want me to go first, Randolph? Oh, yeah, you have All right. And so, right. James, I'm going to screen share. One second. And you guys see my screen? Yes. Fantastic. Anyone who beats their male or female slave, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his property. Hello, everyone. To Does the Bible Condone Slavery? The short answer, yes. In fact, there are many passages in the Bible that go over the laws of both indentured servitude and slavery. Yes, indentured servitude and slavery. Because I get the feeling the defenders of the faith will end up using the apologetic of, well, guys, it's the nice slavery. You know, the good old type of slavery you'd want for your mother. Not the mean new type of slavery of black people on boats. No, not only is this true, the Bible doesn't care where the foreigners you enslave come from. For example, your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. From them, you may buy slaves. The notion that the biblical slavery wasn't in alignment with the transatlantic slave trade is a bunch of postmodern ad hoc load of bullshit. Not only did the Southern slaveholders use the Bible in justification of their ownership, the Northern abolitionists were ignoring these passages to promote what every sane person already knows, that owning humans as property is an abomination against humanity. But what about the indentured servants? Yes, the Bible has indentured servitude, but this tends to be for specifically Jewish men. Even with these pa uh, passages, there are the equivalent of Ponzi schemes lodged in between to keep these men enslaved permanently. Like, for example, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she's to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then 
he will be his servant for life. Great. So if you give him a wife and children and they all fall in love, well, tough luck. They're still human property. Though, don't worry. Just pledge yourself to me forever and you can be with them. You know, unless they die, then you're just with me. Women getting shafted is also a common theme in the Bible. Like with, if a man happens to meet a virgin who's not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, they shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman and he has violated her. He can never divorce her for as long as he lives. Now, the common apologetic normally goes along the lines of, well, but come on, guys, this was actually done as a punishment for the rapist because now the woman has no value. Along with other heartwarming tales in fatherhood, like if a man sells his daughter as a servant, she is not to go free as male servants do. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. Ladies and gentlemen, the Judeo-Christian values of selling your daughter into slavery can now be put to rest. Not only can you sell your daughter as a servant, she's in this thing for life. Plus, if she doesn't do a good job on the wink wink, she has surely shamed her father. I will leave you with a final few quotes from the big M man himself, which I think sums up my whole point nicely. Moses was angry with the offenders of the army, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of the heart hundreds who returned from the battle. Have you allowed all the women to live? He asked them. They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord in the Pierre incident so that a plague struck the Lord's people. Now kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man, but save for yourself every girl who has never slept with a man. Kill everyone and keep the virgins for yourself, eh? Quite frankly, I don't think that's the moral leadership we're looking for. Thank you. We will kick it into, go ahead, Randall. Yeah, so I'll just, uh, I agree with uh, with Amy's observations. Uh, obviously, we're teamed up, so I do. Uh, anyway, um, uh, just a quick observation I'll make is um, the, the way I see it, the uh, this debate's already over because of what's written in the Bible. Uh, the Holy Bible condones human slavery, uh, but does not condemn it by reg because it regulates the practice of slavery. Um, that's uh, that is how it implicitly condones it. Um, it. It doesn't. It does condemn things like murder, theft, adultery, and making graven images. But there's no condemnation uh, against slavery, as far as I'm aware. Um, uh, you know, even if the applicable time period was specified for uh, how it regulates the practice of slavery, uh, the Bible still can't be excused from condoning it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Randolph and Amy. So we'll kick it into open discussion mode. The floor is all yours, everybody. 
Yeah, if I, first I want, I think there's what I call shotgun argumentation that there's so many arguments that we can't even address all of them at one time. So I'd like to focus on one at a time. And Leviticus, we'll start with the first one, or was the Exodus? So Amy's first one in Exodus 21. So Amy or Randolph, do you understand what casuistic law is? Um, maybe you can explain what casuistic law is. That's a new one to me, and I suspect probably many people in the audience may not be familiar with that as well. I'm open-minded. So casuistic law is if-then law codes, and they come in in series is in um in hebrew they have a grammatical construct they put inside their language if if and something then this is what will happen and we extrapolate um law principles uh from these uh group of texts so um scholars you can even look for yourself you can read it that in the in exodus 21 20 through 27 so you have seven passages that come as a group there and they come as a group you don't you can't just cherry pick prima facie uh one text and i'm seeing that with atheists they don't know how to um extrapolate or they don't know how to hermeneutically approach these texts and what's going on there, if you actually read it in context, proper context, is we have lex talionis, and we also have capital punishment within these passages. And they're telling us, um, if this happens, then this will follow. So you guys, does that make sense? So basically, it's conditional statements, and yeah. uh, it's based on perhaps some precedents, or, or it's... Um, uh, it's trying to um, deduce uh, uh, what is moral uh, in what seems to be a very subjective way. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I think that's a okay. fair evaluation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so if why, you... my question to you is why is casuistic law um, applicable here? Because uh, we're talking about whether the Bible condones slavery. And um, I'd like to know what the link is, why casuistic law is, is a necessary topic to cover here. And I then have a follow-up after that. Yeah. So lex talionis, that is the reason. And see, here's, here's how, here's the, um, the setup of these texts. If someone is killed uh, ruthlessly or uh, unlawfully, then the death penalty follows. But... If they do not die, then the uh, principle of lex talionis follows. So if you read, if you, remember I said these are a group of texts. These are not lone texts. These, you, you can't exegete these passages singly. So if they Are you survive, an analogy for that? Yeah, hold on. Let me, let me finish real quick, though. So if they, if they survive, then... They, and as, as verse 26 or 27 say, they will be released out of their contract. That's where Lex Talionis applies. See, that's where Amy is in error there. She needs to understand casuistic law. Uh, all of that sounds like he beats me, but he doesn't kill me. So he's not that bad of a guy. That's my analogy. That's what this is, this is coming up sounding like. Can I ask, Praise, is this the inspired word of man or the inspired word of God? Are we just talking about a book by men that needs to be understood in the culture of men? Or was this inspired by God? And there's nothing worthy of editing out of the Bible. 
is there stuff worthy of editing out of the Bible, and is it the inspired Word of God? Yes, this is the God-breathed Word of God. It's God-breathed. Well, um, we're, we're having, we're already off to a bad start there. So, um, God uses His Spirit to convict holy men and um, bring forth His Word that He wants to convey to people through inspiration, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not through some magical type of hand from the sky bringing down tablets or something like that so he convicts people to write down things so uh, that's the best way to explain it so this is the perfect there shouldn't be anything wrong in there there shouldn't be anything that we could just no. remove and kind of like shorten the book no i, I think see the, the issue is is the lack of knowledge about ancient Near scholarship and in hermeneutics itself like casuistic law if you if see basically if since you exegete these texts as a group that automatically removes your prima facie interpretation it makes it irrelevant sounds all um, moral to explained. Well, uh, hey, Amy, uh, you had brought up Exodus 21, referring to the slave uh, being beaten um, yep, or the servant. Uh, yeah, the Hebrew uh, word there uh, is ebed, E-B-E-D. It can mean servant, uh, slave. It can mean uh, uh, fellow Israelites, stuff like that. So in that context of that it passage, means a if you'll- person's your property. It, well, if you read that passage, the first part, it talks about two men fighting, and then it gives the punishment if one of them hurts the other. Then it continues with the master striking the slave. It also it says, if you'll world. notice, well, you also notice there it says, he shall be avenged, that the master can be avenged. That means that would be a death penalty. The avenger of blood could come and kill that master for killing that slave as a direct result. And so that's something within that very passage that is completely ignored by atheists. But uh, continue on, what were you saying there? So he gets justice if he dies. If the slave dies, he could be like, no, 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 no. My master is gonna get, he's gonna get punished. I mean, I'm dead, but I mean, come on. He's gonna get justice. Yeah, and, and if he did not die, then it might would be hard to say, hey, this is the why he, you know, why would he get punished? Because we don't really know what's going on. We know that they were fighting Felt at like the beginning. It. it was a Tuesday. Then it was like, yeah, I beat afterward, no, Afterwards, we see that continue where these the a, two men are fighting. They strike a pregnant woman what? so that she loses her baby. Her baby comes out. So in that whole context the there, very, it is abortion. about people, um, people fighting. Uh, so... Remember right. also, I want to just give him a chance to finish. I promise we'll come right back to you, Amy. Just I'm a sorry, also remember, myself. also remember, David said, uh, Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Uh, so David found comfort in the rod. There in, in Proverbs, it talks about he's um, a masochist, but that's not the, how the, most people are. The rod, oh, well, the, we, the, Matthew, the rod, a chance to wrap this up, but uh, okay, so maybe this is your last point, and then we got to kick it over. Basically, there's a lot of other passages in the Bible that talk about physical punishment as well that atheists often overlook. They want to focus on that one passage there, and I'm wondering why they always overlook the rest of them. It's the topic slavery. It's like if the topic is there are good things in the Bible, 
then there are, if we go through there, there are good things in the Bible. But the fact that there are such terrible things, like not even close terrible things, like abomination to humanity things, means that the God's not communicating it or someone on the ground writing the stuff really, really, really up. Do you think there's ever any justification for anybody to be struck today in modern times? To be struck? What do you mean struck by struck? in general? Struck with a rod, struck with a billy stick, a nightstick by police. Uh, I mean, we're seeing a lot of beatings right be now and, and, and riots. So uh, is that something that's completely out of uh, uh, objectively wrong to you? I, I think that the circumstances uh, can certainly vary. Like if, if somebody's um, fighting back in self-defense, for example, or if people are being consensual in a BDSM context, then being struck with a rod is the kind of thing that would be acceptable. It, it's all based on context. Uh, when it comes to- I agree. Yeah, when it comes to human slavery though, um, the the slave in, in that kind of scenario really has no power. They're, they're stuck there for, what, six years uh, before they can go free? And, you know, um, they, no, not they, true. They have to take the beating. As Dude, long Army, as they don't die from that beating, they, they have to take it. Dude, Army 23, yeah, that's, that's not correct. That's not oh. correct, yeah. Deuteronomy 23, 15 through 16 says, if they leave uh, throughout the camp, they can even leave outside of Israel, and, and they're allowed to uh, escape. It even says they can escape or go outside of Israel, but they'll be welcomed back with love. And you can read these in Deuteronomy 23, 15 through 16. But I want to, I just want to. Hang on, hang on. I, okay, I, I can't accept that uh, welcome them back into a situation of slavery qualifies as welcoming them back into love. But there's no such thing as slavery in the first place. That's your own presupposition that you, so you have to slavery demonstrate right that contextually. No such Where? Thing. When they <laughs> say the word slave. They have instructions on how to treat your slaves, and uh, in certain circumstances, they'll bore a hole in their ear. Like this is yeah. But did you read why they bored a hole in their ear? Oh yeah, yeah. And there are because they love their master Ahab in the Hebrew, which means it's um, an intergenerated love. If he, that's that's what the that's what the word Ahab in the Hebrew denotes. So love, I don't think you know what you're talking love, about. This love, is the issue. Love is something that is reciprocal. It's got to go both ways. It's, it's absolutely yeah. And I I don't I wouldn't love having a hole bored in my ear. Well, do you know why they did that? Well, you go ahead and explain. Well, sure. It's it's a token or a commitment to their master for life. They wanted to be part of that master for life. Well, uh, why? Because they'd be taken care of. They would have the privileges of sleep, food, everything else. That's not quite how I read it from the Bible. From what I've read, it looks like it's because they want to keep their wife and children. They don't want to be separated from them. And, and that is uh, an extreme circumstance. That That is a, a um, no. duress. That's... Absolutely. So they're being uh, they're being coerced into that. No well, way. Keep... Not even close. Yeah. Keep in mind in that passage, if the man comes in with a wife and children, he shall go out with them. If he comes in with nothing and the master provides him with them and then he decides, I love my master and I love my wife and children, then he can do that. But also remember that that was only six years, as you said. So this guy would have known that going in. So that would have been his free choice if he loved his master, if he loved his wife, if he did not want him to get into that situation, it was kind of his body, his choice, if, you could if say. If he cares about his wife and kids, then that's not a free choice. He Do you know why court. that is the case, Randall? 
have you read Leviticus twenty five forty one? I'll take I want to be sure Randall gets plenty of time okay. to kind of make his case. I promise we'll come right back to you then, praise. Twenty five forty one. We'll take a quick look at that. No, not twenty five four. All right, so it says, at that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted, allotted to their ancestors. Okay, so they're free from slavery, but uh, the thing is, they're not free to take their wife and kids with them. Well, it just said it. You just quoted the children's going to be with the, with the parents there. So they normally exit with the parents. So you have to ask yourself, why is it the case here that the children are not going back with the parents? I have an answer for that. So what we're talking about here, and I'd like to know why, is Stockholm Syndrome. I want to know why this is not prescribed Stockholm what? Syndrome. This is not... <laughs> okay, how about this? That's psychobabble. Why... That's psychobabble? How about I'm done being a slave here, and guess what? You know what? I kind of love that wife you gave me and that child that she bore, so screw you. Well, again, I don't see that you don't in the Bible. understand what's going on here. I'll even give you a citation yeah. to back this up. So what, what the father is doing is using the family as collateral to pay off debts. They can't uh, afford or he, he can't um, make up in his own time without a seven years. So it's debt that even extends beyond seven years. So that's that sounds what pretty saying. evil. Sounds fairly. No, evil. it's just business. It's commercial. Just Why you justified by capitalism. That is, that is I'm a capitalist. This is like not capitalism. In jail this is insanity. There is no debt prison. Capitalism is not ethical or, or not moral. Debt servitude is perfectly moral. In fact, we have it today. Truck. You ever heard of poor truck driving? That's the same thing that happens today. No, that's called employment. That's not called. No, that's called servitude. Indentured servitude or voluntary <laughs> servitude. No, no. That that's called employment. Okay. Can I make a uh, job at any time? Can I make a point to Amy's question right quick? She said that sure. uh, something about uh, the person can just uh, should just leave and say, I don't want to be a slave anymore. Well, as Praise pointed out earlier in Deuteronomy 23, 15 through 16, it says, you shall not give up to his master a slave who has escaped from his master to you. He shall dwell with you in your midst, in the place that he has chosen within one of your towns. So basically, a sanctuary city there for runaway slaves where it suits him you shall not wrong him so there actually was a situation i mean a condition there in which a slave could leave his master uh should he f uh see you know feel like he's being oppressed and remember scripture forbidly uh strictly forbids oppression multiple times and in leviticus 19 says to love your neighbor as yourself also to love a foreigner as yourself so if the master is not following through on his obligations, then yes, the servant or slave would have that right to flee his master to a sanctuary town. Bingo. Well said. That's spot on. And yet, and yet in Leviticus 25, 44, we see, however, you may purchase male and female slaves from among other, among the nations around you. And it goes on. You may also purchase the children of temporary residents who live among you, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. In other words, property. You may treat them as slaves, but you must never treat your fellow Israelites this way. Okay, so there's one exception there. Have you ever researched that, uh, Randolph? Have you researched the ancient Near East scholarship on that? 
I'm looking at what's written in the Bible. It looks like a well, no, no, no. You, you just you just don't get to cherry pick verses and then oh, make a claim on it. So you have to have some type of hermeneutical approach or scholarship to justify your claim. This is not. And this hold, is on, hold, not on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me explain something. So in Ezekiel forty four twenty eight. God is called property of Israel, and he's going to be inherited forever. It's the same exact ver same exact verbiage in Leviticus 25, 44 through 46. Are you going to say that God is the chattel slave of his own people, an immaterial being that's unbound? Are you serious? Oh, that sounds like an argument that you're making. But the sounds like a plot device. Yeah. You've got to apply the same hermeneutic to Ezekiel 44, 28 as Leviticus 25, 46. The point here is that this is what's written in the Bible. This is an instruction to people on what they can and cannot well, do. Yeah. Well, it you says, still have to understand what's being says, said, though. It says here, it says, I'll read it one more quick time. I'll be real quick. You may purchase male and female slaves from among the nations around you. The Bible is therefore condoning slavery. They're talking about purchasing. They're regulating it. Well, it, it, it's no more slavery than purchasing LeBron James from the Cavaliers to the Lakers. No, no, it's uh, not. That's, that's not slavery. LeBron that's James. making that's people rich. Same context. Making yes, people it rich. Is. Yes, I'll well, giving someone a job. Not the same. It is. No, no it's even the though it's not a comedy special, it doesn't work. The word no, not. Make that so, hold on. LeBron James can quit. Those people, the phrase is under, according to Leviticus, cannot quit. Or is it Exodus? Sorry. Untrue. Untrue. That's disinformation. Yeah, the word kana in the Hebrew merely means to um, acquire. That's all it means. So look oh. it up. Please, please get yourself associated with some type of scholarship because this is an epic failure here. That's so, an, this is an excuse. So hey, are you um, saying anyone who has a job is a slave? Anyone that has a job doesn't matter. So we're all slaves. That's where we're going here. It's just, sure, everyone's a slave. Context. We're all slaves. Who's Amy, really a slave? Amy, the way I view it uh, from, a, from a Christian perspective, I view, think of it as a kind of a spectrum where the far right you have complete freedom that as a Christian we think we can only achieve in heaven with God. Uh, then on the left you have the most extreme slavery possible, uh, which actually would be hell uh, in my view. But uh, somewhere in the middle on that spectrum or on that line is where I believe we all fall. So, yeah, technically we all uh, living in this life, I believe, are slaves at least to our own body and our own flesh. So technically you're correct. I do believe there, we're all uh, slaves in some form or fashion. I feel so, like if God is, so if God is credited for creating everybody's bodies, God has basically enslaved everyone. So God is therefore condoning slavery. Well, God uh, gave us free choice in the Garden of Eden to make that choice, to be con conditioned nice or to, yeah, didn't to be to restrained to the physical world, so to speak. I've never been to the Garden of Eden. He didn't give that choice to me there. Well, well I'm didn't give sure them a if, choice. I'm sure if you look at the Ten Commandments, there's probably multiple commandments that you have broken there. So you would fall in the same category. Um, Ten we Commandments all isn't... Yeah. All humans but, are subject to sin. I mean, that's so easy seen. Like, there's no one, I, I don't care who you are, everyone knows that they've uh, failed the Ten Commandments in some way. I mean, that's all that's being stated throughout the Bible is that you can't 
earn your way to heaven on your own merits. You need some type of salvation. That's all that's being said. And like they make atheists make a mountain of a molehill. But I'd like to get some backstory on Leviticus 25, 44 through uh, 46. Okay. There's actual scholars that say these are Habirus. You know what a Habiru is? Well, Habirus were Egyptian um, caravaneers. They were um, that's they were slaves that they could not be their debts couldn't be consolidated. And what do you so these same uh, Habirus are the ones in Exodus twenty one two, which we call Avriz in the Hebrew. Are, are you since this is what I'm saying? You need to get familiar with scholarship to understand these texts. And you're not. I, I disagree. I think that they're trying to defend it and trying to weasel out of the fact of what people took for a thousand years is literal. It's just your lack of understanding, lack of scholarship. So oh, in Exodus I, 21 too, it's it's they're free. They're they're free citizens. They came in on their own voluntary will. And these are the same ones mentioned in Leviticus 25, 44 through 46, but they have unconsolable debt. So what happens is they would get adopted by a master. You ever heard of adoption through manumission in the ancient Near East? You have to get familiar with this stuff. This is uh, pathetic how atheists don't put the work into this. But yeah, that's not true. They were they were slaves. They were property. This is just they, there were indentures. So according, according to, to the Bible, according to the Bible, I'd also like we can go over the quotes like Exodus Exodus twenty uh, to twenty one, which you guys. Are seemingly are trying to use evidence that yeah, God does it? You don't understand uh, grammatical no. constructs of Hebrew. Okay, but there seemingly that was written by a man, not inspired by a God. It means that they're allowed to own slaves. There's no like trying to say that they are just indentured servitudes or that this was actually good for them. Multiple times they were just like, look, kill all the men, take the women virgins, have fun. What? I, what? Let, can I uh, can I respond to Leviticus 25 that uh, was brought up? Um, one of the things I've noticed that y'all have not paid any attention to was actually in verse um, 47. Uh, it allows a stranger or sojourner who becomes rich beside of you to actually purchase a fellow Hebrew. And then it gives rules for redeeming that Hebrew from the foreigner. So it wasn't just that the Hebrews uh, could only own slaves, and it was just for them or servants. I like to refer to them as servants because that's what the original Hebrew oh, actually man. says. And uh, But it was also for the foreigners. And that's one of the things I've noticed uh, atheists never mention. Furthermore, when you look at Leviticus 18 and 20, what you see is these god-awful actions uh, that were being performed by pagan nations around them. So these foreign people would at least have an opportunity to be in a in a uh, country that forbids oppression, commands loving your neighbor as yourself, and multiple other commandments that uh, would benefit them, giving them the freedom to even worship God as well, uh, and having certain human rights that they would have not had uh, in these other countries. If they were, you know, if the master died, they would not have to fear going back into these other countries, falling into the snare of these pagan nations that who knows may do, who would do no, uh, who knows what to them, including human sacrifice, which was the norm. So I think, again, under the context, uh, I think uh, you have to read it under the context 
of what was going on. And even the Bible explains that pretty well if you just read the Bible. So, so it, it, oh, no, in the context says that the Bible is still condoning slavery. And, and this, this debate is not about what the Bible scholars are condoning. It's about uh, what the Bible is condoning. What if I gave you a set of passages that completely obliterated that claim? Go for it. Sure. So if you read Exodus, I would, so if we could even just do one of these texts, you'll see for yourself that you're way off and in great error, gross error. So how about go to uh, Exodus 22, 21? Just read that one out loud for us. Let's just hear you read it. One of you guys, it could be either. Have it, yeah, you have it up. It up. Give me a sec here. Because I, sure. so I have a point yeah, to take say. Your time. All right. Well, while they're looking it up, I would like to ask the question that aren't you guys cherry picking? We're saying that you need to no. look at the Bible altogether and that, yeah, it has some good things, but it also has this fucked up shit. We're not going to let the good, it's not about the good stuff. It's about all this bad stuff. And you guys are like, no, 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 no. Not bad stuff. Ignore all the bad stuff. But hey, but they were nice to them over here and they were nice to them over here. And look, I know that she had to, a lot of, but hey, you know what? She's not disowning her father. She's not, you know, all these things. But it's your imagination, though. If, if you actually are critical and uh, disciplined in the text itself, we call it exegesis. If you, if you uh, apply exegesis to the text, then you'll see that it's not the case. You guys need to put more work into it. It's laziness is your it's problem. Yeah, you don't. You can't just read it and read what they say. You have to have a pastor, no, or someone else translate it for you, and then no, give you, you a response that makes your packages you better. Context, yeah, context exactly. It. There you go. Context. Well, I, I have studied this completely on my own uh, without the help of any pastors because it was it's never talked about much in church, and I will give y'all that. Churches tend to ignore that, but one of the things that uh, when we talk about cherry picking, why is nobody in the on the atheist side mentioned anything about jesus christ as of yet when referring to the whole bible generally speaking um, because he confirms slavery and tells them to obey your earthly masters he's probably not a good example on that subject but we can go there if you want so so what would you suggest a slave do in that i would uh, say kill the master yes is it that murder? hard it took you two seconds to make that answer to give the so obvious murder, answer murder. what are they supposed to do kill the master yes that would right, be murder, but, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, you're basically murder. advocating murder. Okay. Yes. The, advocating. The Listen to me. Hold on. Hold on. I want you to say this. I want all slaves of the world. If you are still a slave, if you're still being owned out there, kill your master. Do not. And run. Run, 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 run. All right. We're good. Whatever. Or take over the farm or whatever it is. Right, yeah, exactly. To be on. Okay. So Jesus said, love your enemies as well and pray for them. Uh, the idea was that the enemy would become a follower of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, this is not our world. We're just passing through. We're foreigners. Even God said to the Hebrews, you're just the foreigners in this land that I've given you with me. So this was not right. a temporary place. So God is talking about something temporary beyond this. So if you were to think of it in the context of eternity, would that change anything? They want people to believe. And then another part of the Bible says that whosoever would not seek the Lord of God of Israel should be put to death, whether well, um, small or great, whether man or woman. Okay. So there's lots of contradictions here. So Randall, well, if, did you pull that passage up, buddy? I'm just wondering. Yeah, I did. So I'm in under Exodus 22 and I'm seeing you must not allow a sorceress to live. Oh, sorry. That's 18. Um, 
21. You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Um, but then, of course, that seems to contradict just a few lines before about uh, not allowing a sorceress to live. Holy cow. Like, you well, know, witches. This, this is a wicked mess. So, uh, Amy, uh, you don't, you don't understand long grace, though, those people. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Amy, getting back to what you said, uh, the slaves should rise up and kill their master. Um, what do you think about Exodus 21, 16, where it says, if anyone kidnaps someone and keeps them or sells them as a slave, shall be put to death? It sounds like now the Bible is making more contradictory claims. And to, to be justified, so, we shouldn't cherry pick one. We would still say they still allow slavery. They're so just we're saying- going with the we're going with the contradiction argument now, right? Well, again, you, the, the question is, if the Bible condones it, slavery, yes. and there are passages in there that definitely do that by regulating the practice of slavery. Yeah, dead slavery, but is that immoral? I think it's immoral. How is dead slavery immoral? How is what? what slavery slavery is immoral. How is no debt debt slavery, slavery, slavery immoral? No debt slavery. You're trying to soften it. No, 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 no. That's what it is. You're, you're I'll, even, I'll even give you a citation from a, from a scholar that will even confirm that. But I'll even give you passages that confirm that. So but, well, you're, you're, you're basically asking me if somebody has debt, um, they should become a slave. Well, but again, but yeah, well, I would say that is that's more of a modern, modernized term of it. So, no, but the word "aved" in the Hebrew just signifies a servitude or a servant of, of of doing work, someone who does work. So that's all it conveys is that. So how you um, put a label on that is oh, it's what I was saying in the beginning is what I call a presentist fallacy or presentism fallacy. You're applying your own modern concepts and in, in, in putting it in the text, which is exactly damn no, straight no. we are. Damn straight. So That's why you, the Bible's immoral. So are you saying that uh, slavery uh, as prescribed in the Bible is only applicable at a particular time frame? Uh, yeah, I would say what that it's. Frame? I would say it was from, I mean, I don't know the exact time frame, but sure. you can see the Bronze Age to the Iron Age, something like that. Okay. Uh, that's still condoning slavery. And Well, uh, dead slavery, sure, but so what? But according to my moral standards, my own personal moral standards, slavery at any time is immoral. Well, again, so how is dead slavery immoral? But if you're a slave forever, what, is, what makes it dead? Well, so it is so okay. It's only God lives forever. So we know that word is an anachronism. If you're going to say, oh, forever, that means that you're saying that they're okay, God. Until he dies. How about that? He's a slave until okay. he dies. So I, I'd love to, I would love to get in more depth on that. Actually, it's, it's um, in the Hebrew, it just conveys a, an age of time, which when the master dies, they will take over the household of, of the master and his goods and everything inside the house. Can I also just point out how many times you guys use the word master, and yet supposedly there's no slavery in this context? I think I used. Well, yeah, well, I, I have employer. I'm sorry. Yeah, ahead. I have no problem no, with the word master because it. that, in, in the Hebrew context, the 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 word master, uh, God intended for the Hebrews to treat everyone like He would treat them. You remember the Bible says the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Now, obviously. Uh, awesome. the Hebrews failed miserably uh, at this, but that was the expect that was the standard. 
you know, you were to love everyone uh, as God loves you, love your neighbor as yourself. You are image bearers of God, so to speak. So you were talking about a while ago with the tag in the ear. Uh, think of this as all human beings being marked by God in his image. So they that's why God, God was so against any kind of oppression or mistreating of Absolutely. anyone in scripture. <clears throat> so my question for you, Praise, uh, you were talking about how the Bronze Age slavery, human slavery is okay at that time um, as part of the rough duration. Um, during that duration, why is slavery moral, slavery moral at that time? Oh, because it was voluntary. And it was applicable to the whole ancient Near East. The whole ancient Near East, I'd love to give you a quote from Raymond Westbrook. He says everyone was uh, working for someone else. Even kings were working for someone else. It's Raymond Westbrook. You can look up the quote. Um, so I don't see anything wrong with work. Is okay. work bad? Can I oh ask you a question about that? So, yeah. So I think it's fair to assume that you would agree that the Bible is condoning slavery during that time. Yeah, if you want to call it slavery, but I call it servitude because... The Bible calls it slavery. Where? Multiple passages. I'm reading it does. Yeah. The Bible calls, uses Where? the word ebed, which can mean servant, maid servant, or manservant, bondservant, right. fellow Hebrews, fellow worshipers of God, even kings among kings in reference to God. So that's a very broad term there. Now, praise, you did uh, uh, limit the scope to uh, voluntary slavery. Um, right. And uh, from what I'm seeing in the Bible for covering the Bronze Age period, as you said, um, I'm, it doesn't look like, it looks like it covers situations where it's not voluntary. Somebody's being purchased as a slave, a foreigner being purchased and whatnot. Um, do you think that that's moral? Um, yes, because you know the context behind those passages. Like, I, I guarantee you're talking about Leviticus 25. Probably. Well, I, again, if you, if you actually do some ancient Near East uh, scholarship work on that research, you'll see that um, these were, um, this was an adoption through manumission, which means that um, these, what we call Habirus, like I mentioned, they're the same ones in Exodus 21 too. I have so much, I just don't have enough time to show the citations for this. Sure. But they would go through a court legal system to um, to be uh, part of the master for the rest of the master's life, like a contract. And when the master died, which is why, that's why it's called Olam in the Hebrew forever, or perpetuity, whatever you want to call it, then then the servant or the uh, biru there would receive the household and receive the goods of, of the master. So it's called manumission through adoption. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I can give you a bunch of citation if you want. A perfect example with that would be Abraham. When he had not been given any sons yet, he actually thought that one of his servants uh, in his, uh, in his, group would be inheriting everything when he was praying to God. God said, no, I will give you Isaac. Uh, so he praise is correct uh, there. And that's even uh, spoken about in the Bible itself. Can I uh, go back to a point, praise? I want to know something. Are you a capitalist? Like, do you believe in a market? Um, see, I, I, I suck at politics. I'm the worst person to talk, to ask questions about that. I'm going to say no, but I don't like either. Really? I don't like socialism or capitalism, either one. Okay. How to, because in my view, I'm a fan of the market economy. I think 
that generally speaking, we should allow people to have trade back and forth. And I generally view our jobs as trading a service for something like currency. I want to know where you can draw similarities between something like an NBA player who is one of the most highly paid actor actors in the field how is this anything like someone who gets paid zero dollars and cannot not only cannot leave but can get physically beat i mean you you are equivocating words here no those are opinions that are you're injecting into the text nowhere does it say it's permissible to beat someone see again all right don't understand exodus 21 20 21 through 27 because those are a group of texts that you need to exegete together and i think they explain each other but hold on i wanted to mention something too do you see the apparent loophole in those passages though do you see that the loophole yeah, as he, in, like, the if he dies, he gets punished? No, as if, what if the uh, servant makes up something and and uh, falsely accuses his master that he was beat, then he would be free from his contract. Oh, so maybe that's why it took two days to deliberate why uh, the master was, remember, there's that principle, you're proven innocent. I mean, you're innocent till proven guilty. Well, that principle is already applicable in the Torah, in Exodus twenty-one twenty through twenty-seven. You and know what see, this sounds like? Yeah. To me, this now is starting to sound more like pro and anti-slavery. Like there are some people that are pro-slavery and some people that are anti-slavery. It doesn't seem like it's not that the Bible doesn't condone slavery. It's that you think it's just the good type of slavery. Yeah, dead um, slavery. Amy, do you are you okay with the good type of slavery today in modern America? There's, unless it's BDSM, no. Do you know the exception rule in the uh, exception clause in the Thirteenth Amendment? Uh, what was the, the one that freed slaves? The one yes, that, there's an exception clause there. What? Oh, as in you uh, punish someone? So it's uh, the clause that helps make jails. Correct. Yeah, now so that would change are, our jail system greatly. That's another yeah, story. So, so basically, modern America, as we speak, any kind of rules and laws dealing with a prisoner in the prison systems is technically, under the 13th Amendment, a law allowing a certain type of slavery. So even today, we have legalized slavery in that context. Once and there's again. a lot of people that do not like that, but that's, you know, that's just the fact. So, you know, just remember it still exists. Um, And uh, one last thing, and I'll let you speak. According to Benjamin Skinner and Kevin Bales, two modern day, uh, a journalist and a professor who have studied modern day slavery, there's more slaves today than any time in human history, 46 million according to them. And I don't think they include all these sex trafficking slavery uh, that groups like Exodus cry and fight the new drug uh, talk about of women being sold a, uh, into sex slavery and and kept by pimps and stuff. They're just talking about normal labor uh, slavery. So even today, we actually have a worse problem with slavery today than they did uh, in the in ancient uh, in ancient times that we are talking about. 
And just to respond to that, that is an equivocation once again. There is there is no similarity between a girl who had her mother and father slayed, and she was a virgin, so she gets to be a, uh, she gets to become property, and someone who murders someone else, and we actually have to put them away, not because we want to put them away, but because we fear that they will hurt others if left to their own devices. It is not the same thing. We know it's not the same thing. This is how functioning societies work. Well, you're referring to Numbers 31, where Paul talked, where Moses talked about, uh, you know, keeping the virgin girls for yourselves. You're looking at that, at, at that again through the modern hey, lens Moses of modern that. culture. Mo uh, Moses or Paul? Well, actually, I almost said Paul, but I, I corrected myself. Um, so there's no passages in there saying that these women become sex slaves or anything right. like that. In fact, the Bible explicitly forbids uh, Why they want virgins outside of uh, marriage. Well, I don't know. There's probably a multiple reasons, but the, you know, you know, the Bible is very treated a virgin in very uh, high honor um, and gave right. them kind Slave of a, a special uh, kind of a special you know, status in community. So obviously, you know, even a, a prostitute would would not have the same, um, I, I don't want to say they're lesser, but they wouldn't have the same Bible. viewpoint in a society as, uh, as a virgin because the person has kept themselves pure for their husband. Okay. They marry, which is supposed that to represent. Okay. She's pure. Union oh, good of slave. Good slave this time. Is, this is an unfair mischaracterization of people um, because every person has a different viewpoint on society. So just to say because of. Their, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. So I, I have to I have to push back against that one real harshly there. So if y'all could end any type of slavery today in the modern world, would you do so? Oh, of course. It's already outlawed. And yet uh, so, people who insist on doing it. So, so would you be okay be... with outlawing pornography and prostitution today? Sorry, I what's that be... about pornography and prostitution? I kind of missed that. Yes, would you be okay with outlawing them? I'd be no. okay with chasing the people that promote slavery and sell porn. Porn is legal, but if you force someone into porn, that is highly unethical. Yeah, and that and well, the, the problem is that may not be porn, and that's also highly illegal. I don't have the a problem with pornography because it is. Uh, uh, I'm an advocate for freedom of expression. I do like the idea of it being on the upper shelf, out of uh, reach of young children, because that's just how we do things in society. But I don't have a problem with companies producing it and doing it professionally, as long as all the participants involved in it are consensual and uh, above the age of majority. Well, the problem so, is it. In modern society today, pornography, which is legal, prostitution, which is legal, still fuels illegal sex slavery. And a lot of times it's hard to tell because the women keep quiet and are afraid to so are actually you, are come you, forward. Are you blaming those particular jobs for uh, fueling the slavery? Because I would be putting the blame on the people who are committing the crimes and forcing people into that. There are people. Yes, but, ha but, but you don't, you don't no, know. I mean, there's, there.
Yeah, there are people being okay. forced to work on farms and pick blueberries and other plants Correct. And, and vegetables. Correct. Yeah. And uh, I don't blame the, the farming industry for that. I don't blame the blueberry bushes for that. I think that's ludicrous. It's the people who are uh, uh, hiring those people under the wrong practices and, and uh, buying them as slaves that are, that are the problem, that are coercing people into that. That's where the problem lies. And it doesn't matter what the industry is. It could be farming. It could be manufacturing. It could be uh, uh, pornography. It could be uh, a job in the sex industry. Uh, it could be all sorts of different things. It really is immaterial. The problem is with the people who are running the show, the people with the power, the people who are coercing people. That's the that's yeah. the angle that needs to be stopped. Yeah, I would like so, to address numbers thirty-one really quick though. And there's actually you have to go back to numbers twenty-five to get the context what's going on there. If you if you read some of those passages passages there, you'll see that there was sexual degeneration, and from this sexual degeneration came sexual plagues and killed over hundreds of thousands of Israelites. So that's what's going on. Numbers thirty-one. That's why the um, the little girls and the uh, the mother were. No, it wasn't the mother. It was, I think, someone else that was spared because they didn't. They weren't subject to these plagues. So, please do your research before you go uh, popping off about texts you don't understand. I don't know how that doesn't mean that God can condone slavery. I'm. I'm... What the slavery has has no context in it though, because they're just. Um, what do you, a quarantine, this is called quarantining of the people around him. That's all it is. It's a divine quarantine. Quarantine. So when he said to kill all the boys, what did he mean? All the ones that were infected with the plague. All the ones that are infected with the plague. And I'm not even sure if it says little boys either. I have to look And wait, 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 wait. Says. Why are that? What does the plague have to do with girls and having sex? Because what, what do you mean sex? That's the whole point is to get it away. It doesn't from say sex. anything about sex. Yeah, it doesn't say anything in those passages uh, the about girls, them. Which, the whole thing is to get away from sex. Is that what you just said? Yeah, that's what. It, that's the whole point. Sexual, right. sexual plagues. Yeah. So uh, God. Yeah, God tried to separate. So we didn't uh, know about STDs back the Israelites. Then. And so, well, I think I think God did. Obviously, that's why that's why not. virginity was so important until marriage. I think it's religious people just have this. Not you guys are just saying in general the hardcore fundamentalists seem to have this obsession with sex. Well, you would admit that if if everybody just waited to marriage, that would cut down on a lot of STDs, wouldn't you? I don't oh, think yeah. so, because I mean, if, if somebody has an condoms. STD, they're still going to spread it as soon as they have sex. Well, how would they have gotten this STD if they never had sex before? Oh, there's uh, there's plenty of different ways people can get these diseases. It doesn't necessarily have to be through sexual intercourse. It can be through sharing well, meals. It can yeah, be I would disagree. I think through, that would drastically cut it down on it. But that's something we'll have to transfusion. Disagree. It can be through all kinds of different methods. Uh, it could be the result of them being raped. And uh, well, no, well, Deuteronomy 21 gives the laws for our for women women's POWs, so no, and women POWs were to be treated with the utmost respect and care and love. You can read this in Deuteronomy 21, so no. Are they free to go? Yeah. To do As with. POWs, are they free to go? Yeah. Yep. So they're not POWs. This doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, well, it depends what your context of POW is. What does Prisoner that mean? Prisoner of war. You're a prisoner. You're Friends of war. And you're saying they're free to go, so they're well, not Well, not prisoners. necessarily, because they're vassals. They're already part of the vassal uh, 
I would say the suzerain vassal covenant treaties. So no, that's not it's not entirely true. So they're prisoners. No, they're vassals. So if they're free to go, they're not prisoners. Right. So, so they're, they're not part of they're um well that's what I said that they're vassals, but it depends on what context you take it as as a POW. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm looking at the terminology you're using. Okay, so okay, I'll change it to vassal then. That's what they are. Can I ask about Leviticus twenty five forty four? Your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. From them you may buy slaves. Doesn't that sound? I mean, on face value, like it's saying you may buy slaves. It's the exact same thing in Exodus twenty one two. It's almost like condone slavery. No, it's it's all it's again. You don't understand the dynamics of the ancient Near East. These were. Uh, these were caravaneers and people that uh, could not have consolidated debt. So what they would do is be adopted by a master for um, for for the perpetuity or the master's life. So are and you they, saying that what we're seeing written in the Bible is wrong? No, but uh, no, I'm quoting ancient scholarship. So there's context behind these passages you have to get familiar with. Well, this debate is not about what the scholars are condoning. It's about what the Bible is condoning. Well, no, there's context behind these passages. Though. You can't yeah. just exegete this. You can't just input your own uh, opinions on what's going on in the text. secular scholars? One minute left. I am Took told that these are Hebrew scholars. I have, I have been oh, Hebrew scholars. So I have a little biased. I have been told. I have a, I have a question I would like to ask. Hang on, hang on. Um, I've been told repeatedly by Christians that many Christians, not all, that the Bible is the perfect word of God. So I'm reading that in yes, the Bible. I agree. Okay. And, uh, but I'm told that there's a context to it. Well, if there's a context, then it's not the perfect word of God because a context has to be applied. No, just because the context that, has to be. Yeah, yeah. So, right. I don't know why that would change it from not being the perfect word of God. Remember, the Bible also says that the word of God reveals the heart of man. Uh, when Amy was reading Exodus 31, she naturally assumed that these virgins were being taken to be raped. In, in uh, Exodus 21, uh, y'all were assuming that the women were being taken to be sex slaves. Why did you assume that, one would have to ask? And I would say it's because of the immorality of modern culture that that's what our mind naturally thinks about because that's what modern culture would do so just, i think it very uh, context is very important so killing the women who already had sex had nothing to do with sex they were just sluts who needed to die but i mean virgins oh, that's kind of okay. like special you're wondering well i can what was a divine judgment too see after a while 400 yes. years of atrocities and uh disgusting vile behavior um, atrocious behavior. God, I mean, he's going to bring judgment down on people. He, is Going into the he seems to be a vengeful, jealous guy. We're going to switch exactly. it over. Okay. Hate to interrupt because it's been Problem. really fun. Yeah, it's been fun. But <laughs> we do have a lot of questions and very excited to get to these questions. So the first one, this one comes in from, uh, let's see, movie theory how do the atheists justify morality so i guess maybe they're asking for like an ethical theory maybe like more of a meta-ethical grounding but uh whatever well, way you want to interpret it go first, that, i'll say that is a condescending question that is assuming that uh, we can't get morality unless we have some kind of uh, supernatural superpower to look up to and and i reject that i think it's a bad attitude to ask such a question but i'll answer it anyway um 
as as an atheist myself, I make the determinations on my own. I try to use uh, methodologies that I find to be fair and reasonable, um, such as uh, human rights legislation, um, John Rawls' theory of justice, the veil of ignorance concept in particular, and, and other things. And I also converse with other people and have conversations such as this, where we talk about morals, at least to some degree, and, and some conversations we talk about it more and debate it more. As long as we're willing to uh, consider things in different scenarios and uh, and try to understand things better, uh, points of view of people who are impacted by these things, this will help us a lot to make better decisions. Morality is, in my view, not objective. It is a subjective thing. In society, we have trade-offs. We agree to live uh, under the laws of society, uh, but we still even contest those laws and change them. When we take a look at something like uh, the Holy Bible, those rules cannot be changed. That is the perfect word of God. It is dictatorial, authoritarian. Um, it is a celestial dictator saying, this is how you have to be. And I disagree with that because it just does not apply to modern times. And my interlocutor praise even confirmed that the morality of slavery uh, is applicable only during a specific time period, which does make our point that uh, the, the Bible does condone slavery, even though it, to him, he conceded that it's only for a limited time period, that still confirms that it does condone slavery. Thank you. Thank you. And Amy, if you feel good with that, otherwise I can uh, give you a chance to share to... a different perspective if you'd like. I, my view of morality, I view it grounded in biology. I think even more specifically, it's about the bio biology of conscious creatures. My example to make this absolutely clear is that if we were to completely remove sexual organs from humans, then the notion of rape becomes off the table because there's no sexual organs. So biology to me is really based almost off of the genetics. Gotcha. Thanks so much. And this one comes in from Beowulf, who says, To say that slavery is different when viewed through the eyes of past creatures is to admit morality itself is subjective. I agree. Next no, I agree, too. Yeah, I would disagree with that. I would say, no, the social values and how their culture was back then was different than ours. And and this is the problem of presentism. So I, I recommend people look that up. Um, and to, to claim morals are subjective is an objective claim itself because you're saying that everything, all morals are subjective and they're applicable to all people. So no... Oh. Um, we would say because there is moral progress in culture, we would say, no, it's objective. And I could even give you some a peer review on this that says there is no objective moral progress without a non-physical moral ontology. And then that would be God. So yeah. and I, I'd just quickly like to add that I, I accept praise saying that uh, all morals are subjective. Um, and I would say that by saying all morals, that will also include the morals being uh, presented from the Holy Bible. Gotcha. And we will jump into the next question from Stupid Whore Energy. She hey. says, why didn't Jesus instruct the centurion to free his slave after healing him in Luke chapter 7? They're not his slave. They're his soldiers. What? Next. Well, um, the, the servant that was healed, I don't think probably didn't need to be freed. I mean, this man 
was a man who feared God. I don't think the servant was concerned about his freedom. He was probably living a very good life under this Roman uh, centurion. So I think that's an irrelevant question. Gotcha. And thanks so many. Uh, thanks so much for your super chat from Net7. Appreciate it. Said it's historical revisionism when we ignore the part Christians played in ending slavery globally. The anti-slavery movements in the UK and the U.S. were led by predominantly Christian leaders and pastors. Here, here. Can I make a comment yes, on that? I agree. Um, uh, so I agree with the comment, and I, I think I said that in my presentation. But as far as I can tell, they are doing so in opposition to what the scripture actually says. Yep. I I, I would disagree. Yeah. No, these people happen to be Christians, but they were actually not following Christianity 100% by doing that. And in fact, people who don't go and kill infidels are not following Christianity 100%. Let me, can I read a quote from uh, Frederick Douglass really quick? Yes, and then we must Uh, move on. It says, I love the pure and peaceable and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Indeed, I can see no reason but the most deceitful one for calling the religion of this land Christianity. I look upon it as the climax of all misnomers, the boldest of all frauds, and the grossest of all libels. So here's a guy who was a slave for seven years who says, if you claim to be a Christian and you had a slave, you're a hypocrite and it's a a misnomer and a lie. So I think this guy would have known what he was talking about. Next, did he, uh, we did must, he I hate to say it, i got to give, I think that one was, oh no, that's actually, that was more of a challenge to the atheist. We'll give the, the atheist the last word, uh, short and pithy on this one. So the, oh, the original super like chat was. Oh, I, I'm just wondering if that slave he's quoting uh, was uh, studied, well studied, well read on scholars, uh, that such as what Praise was talking about. Got he you. was well studied in scripture. Next, Tim Southern Jr., thanks for your super chat, said, How does the no side not get this? Ooh, sassy. It says, Bible is God's word. Bible lays out ground rules for who and what limits, not denounce, only limit, in parentheses, the followers listened. It condones slavery, end of argument. I Originally, I thought that was again, like challenging the atheist, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, I think well. that's a challenge to the Christians, I believe, it seems like. Yes, I think it, the end makes me think that, too. Go for it. Well, I would personally say, based on the Oxford definition of it, of condone, uh, you could not make the argument that the Bible did not treat slavery as serious. One of the synonyms for the word condone is to overlook or disregard or ignore. The one thing we can't say is that the Bible ignored or overlooked any of this. So I think the debate is won on our side simply by the very uh, word condone. Uh, I think we have the upper hand. Gotcha. And next up, thanks for your super chat. This one comes in from Barry Barry saying, it's historical. Uh, uh, I already read that. Sorry about that. My mistake. I'd like to respond to the definition of condone. Is that okay, James? Sure. Um, the definition of condone is actually to accept and allow behavior that is considered morally wrong or offensive to continue. 
That's according to Google Dictionary Search. So I yes, look look up the look up the synonyms for that definition. Uh, we're using the word condone here. I'm I'm dealing with the definition yeah. of condone. Okay, oh, now I'm using I'm using the Oxford Dictionary. If you remember at the beginning of my opening, I said the word condone was a difficult word. If you look at the Oxford Dictionary, that's the word, that's the definition I'm using personally uh, in this debate. <clears throat> and I think Oxford is a good source to use. All right, so here we go. It says condone something uh, or somebody doing something to accept behavior that is morally wrong or to treat it as if, as if it were not serious. That's what yes. the Oxford uh, dic uh, Oxford uh, Learners Dictionaries com tells me when I look that up in Google. So I'm I agree. Oxford as well. Okay. Gotcha. So mm. I, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. No problem. I'm trying to remember who that last uh, question was originally for. Uh, it's kind of a toss up. We do have a lot though, so I do want to kind of move through if possible. Okay. Next, Ninetales Cosmic Fox, thanks for your question, said, For the theist side, I'm confused. How exactly is this you taking the negative side to the question again? <laughs> um, right. So, no, we're the, um, we're just, we're, I guess you could call it a slaveryist. <laughs> gotcha. And... Next, appreciate your question from Richard Ashton, who says, It's kind of my way or the highway. If you are not a club member, then you're out. Oh, is that, is that a dig? I'm not sure. I'm confused. Sounds exclusive. <laughs> Next, Mutant, thanks for your super chat, said, Praise, Dr. Josh is very knowledgeable on the topic, and he was correct, and he has corrected you, but you still cherry pick. Why is that? Oh, no! I, you know we've had. I respect Dr. Josh, and uh, he he's a very credible scholar. But I say he has a liberal. Uh, he's he's liberally or he's liberal swayed with his um, interpretation of scripture. And no, I, I don't see where he's ever corrected me. But I think he's provided um, other other you know, contexts that are possible, but that's about it, you know. Next. Thanks so much from your or for your question. This one is from our dearest friend, as he likes to be called Club. Caleb, thanks for your question, said for Randolph, define debt slavery and why it's immoral. Oh, okay. So people are becoming slaves because they owe money. And uh, that's also, it's better known as bonded labor. It is unethical because it's a form of exploitation where the creditor adds expense to the debts, uh, such as food and shelter and any other expense they can put in, clothing, uh, and uh, on and on it goes, uh, which eventually results in permanent slavery. This has been what's happened time and time again. It is a violation of labor laws here in Canada, and uh, as far as I know, in many other countries as well. And uh, in my view, it is that's why it's unethical is because uh, it's uh, because of its exploitative nature. Gotcha. And thank you, Barry Barry, for your super chat, which I mistakenly thought I thought I already read it. They were doing a response to a previous super chat. So it's not a duplicate. They said it's historical revisionism when we ignore the part Christians played in perpetrating or perpetuating slavery globally 
the pro-slavery movements were led by predominantly Christian leaders and pastors. I think they're well, coming at you, praise Matthew. I would have him go back and read that quote from Frederick Douglass I just read. Frederick Douglass, who was a very well-studied Christian, an African-American slave for seven years, seemed to differ. So if he thinks he knows more than Frederick Douglass, then I guess he'll just have to agree to disagree because I, I don't think you could make that argument. And to me, still retain any respect if you say, oh, you know, well, he was ignorant on the subject because let's face it, he was a slave for seven years. So he would have known uh, what it was like and he would have been able to look at scripture and see that there was nothing like uh, what he went through in the Bible. Are you assuming all slave masters are the same? I'm assuming based on the, what the Mosaic law teaches and commands, if they were following that. Now, I will say some of them probably didn't follow that. But uh, I'm I'm simply going based on what Scripture actually says. Right. I'd like to add something to that, too. That is called a genetic fallacy. Um, what the practitioners do in the name of the uh, founder of a faith has the, those two are not correlated together. It's a genetic fallacy. Kind of like scholars. Yeah. Let's see. What have we got here? Sigifredo Sarabia, thank you for your super sticker. Appreciate it. Long time viewer. Always glad to see you. We are also have another long-time viewer with a super chat. Stupid whore energy strikes again. She says, The seven-year in Jubilee rules for Jews were not always enforced, and slavery in the Old Testament for non-Jewish people was a chattel bondage that was inherited via the mother. Um... Let's see here. No, because if you actually read again, uh, Deuteronomy twenty four fourteen, Exodus twenty two twenty one, that um, they, the foreigners be proselytized into the covenant. Exodus twelve goes into depth on this. They were treated as one of their own. So no, that's not true. Um, so you can go ahead, Matthew, and expound upon that. I think you've done a good job. I agree. I mean, we had had foreigners that wanted to be a part of of the Hebrew nation, Ruth, Uriah the Hittite, um, Rahab, the prostitute, lots of them. So I, I don't really, I don't think she's correct on that. Next up, Maynard Saves, thank you for your super chat, said, is beating your quote-unquote bond servant with a rod mistreatment of a fellow human as long as they don't die in a day or two <laughs> in parentheses? Again, so uh, I would... I would... I recommend this person check out casuistic law. You you have to extrapolate a group of texts together. Um, so these law codes come in a group. You can't just say, oh, look, there's that one little passage. I'm just going to use that one. No, you have to use them in context. And what it's what it's um, showing there is we call lex talionis or the death penalty. And that's what's that's what they're deriving at. So please learn that before you make claims. Gotcha. Next up. Thank you for your question. This one comes from, by the way, yeah, I am so excited. Uh, I've got a special something to show everybody at the end of this stream. Uh, but it's not what you think it is. Next, thank you for your question from Uberman says, Is slavery wrong if morality is preference-based? Want to go first, Randall? Sure. It, uh, uh, slavery is wrong because it is exploiting people. It is... Core, uh, it is 
um, interfering with another person's freedom. So in, in my view, in my opinion, uh, freedom is the correct thing to do in society to, to protect for people. And uh, there are, I know, slave masters would be an example of people who would disagree with me on this. Gotcha. And thank you for and, your... Oh, wait, wait. Well, just, uh, I just wanted to say that um, because... Oh, God, can you read the question one time? I have a note. Yes, I can. It is. Is slavery wrong if morality is preference-based? Based on slavery. So slavery is wrong because morality to me based on the biology of a conscious agent you are stripping them of basically their bodily autonomy can i respond to that real quick quote yeah. if there is no god everything is permitted fedor dostoevsky and he's an atheist even with god everything's Good permitted. <laughs> well that would be no god at all so a, a god would have to have some type of laws and prohibit What's the difference? God, this God has never introduced itself to me or stopped me from doing anything. What does that even mean, though? Or what does it mean that everything's permitted without a God? No, what does it mean Like God has never uh, showed? Is that what you said? Uh, so you're saying with, without God, everything's permitted, but yeah. with God, there is the, that, that freedom doesn't exist. I'm, I, saying I, that's, I'm saying that's a self-contradiction. If there was a God, then there would necessarily be laws in place, and we see those. Well, if there is a God, then uh, all we'd need is God's laws, the Bible and all. We wouldn't need all these other laws, right? Well, Because everybody would just know. Well, yeah, this God wrote his laws in our well, heart. Well, I think everybody does know, but that's kind of a right. different, that's no, kind of a different debate. <laughs> you know, I, when I was a kid, I didn't know. I had to learn this stuff. I, I, I wasn't born knowing this. Also, this doesn't seem like the work of a God. Like, it just seems there, like the work of humans a, at a time period. That's why we keep on having to go to context. An, the Bible does teach an age of accountability, but I think even children naturally understand when that very young age, right from wrong. And yeah. I think that's evidence for an objective moral morality. There were kids that had different ideas on what's right and wrong. Gotcha. We must move on. We do have more questions. This one coming in from Dave Gar, first one of the night from Dave Gar, says God's word is not absolute, unerring, or timeless if i have to understand ancient near east law in order to quote unquote properly interpret it good debate though nice hey, good that was that was actually a, a compliment from dave wow that actually blew me away because i didn't think dave was capable of that so i appreciate the compliment dave <laughs> but uh, i still think you're wrong on your reasoning you're faulty there i'll also say thanks dave Next, Dave Gar again says, COVID made me crazy, just needed to say vassals. What is that? I'm confused. Next, the, uh, the person, username is God is not real. I wonder what side they're on. Says, game <laughs> over. So thanks for that. <laughs> Next, we have James is tired. Is that about me? I don't know. But they say, Matt owned this debate. Hands down. Mm, thank you, James. Thank you. No, no, no. You're done. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see if we... Let me just quick check if there are any new ones. Otherwise, I've got some standard questions as well. Another one from Dave Gar. Thanks so much, Dave Gar. Says, I'd rather eat a cashew than learn cashewistic law. Oh. And, yeah, so we are... Uh, by the way, folks, if you 
want to let you know, if you are not subscribed, hit that subscribe button in our stats. We are switching over to standard questions in a minute, but I want to let you know in our stats, only about 50% of people are subscribed. So if you want reminders of debates, well, good news. That subscribe button can help you get reminders. We're excited that Dr. Bart Ehrman, as you see in the bottom right of your screen, will be here. It's confirmed now. We are very excited about this. This is a really exciting. And so he will be taking on Jonathan Sheffield the last, uh, no, the second last day of this month, the night before Halloween. So that should be epic. And spooky. Yes, very spooky. (laughs) And so, yes, you can get reminders of debates like those. If you're already subscribed, huh? Spooky. It's just in time for Halloween. So true. And good call, Amy. <laughs> want to let you know, folks, as well, if you're already subscribed, well, hey, consider hitting that like button. Really appreciate it. That helps the channel a lot. So, these standard questions, we appreciate yours. Jay, who says, if there's time, says, if the Bible says you can buy someone's child, children do not have a choice in this matter. So, how is it that not the Bible, how is it not the Bible endorsing immoral actions? So when people are adopting, I guess that's what they might be talking about. Um, I'll try to cover another perspective as well. Um, they, uh, there is a whole adoption system going on. Um, it's international as well as, uh, as well as local. And even if you have paid money to, to, to adopt a child, and to, I guess in effect buy a child, that child still has rights, at least here in Canada. They are still human beings with human rights. So you can't say you're their master. You can't turn them into your slave. They, they have the right to go to school and get an education. It's actually mandated here and, and all of that. And when they become older, they have the right to vote. Um, they have all the freedoms just like everybody else here. Um, but perhaps they're talking about people buying it on the, uh, uh, the child trafficking trade, the illegal trade of that. Right. And in that case, that would be a criminal act. So I think this is, again, another presence's fallacy. And so if, if a parent loans their child out to mow a lawn, so that's immoral somehow? That's all it is. We're talking about See. labor. That's it. That's not how I read the question. But um, if, uh, if somebody's doing a job, that's employment. That's a different story. Different that's story. that's all it is. That's all. It's all Nationaries was. You're, um, you're you're accusing me of a fallacy, and you seem to be conflating uh, uh, employment with slavery. No, you're the one that's in, in instituting your own presentist viewpoint of the text. No, there's nothing. See, the word slavery denotes subjugation. There's nothing you could ever, ever, even close to show that there's even anything close to subjugation in the Bible anywhere. Oh, we already did. There's passages that we've read out, and then you resorted to scholars. And nope. I, I, this is are, I, I thoroughly destroyed that. Bible. You need to so understand the quotes. We must move to. We must move on. <laughs> this one from Sam, Samuel Lou Holm. Let me know if I've mispronounced it, Samuel. Appreciate it. And said, if quote unquote avenged means death penalty, and if Money means working ability or ability to work. And this applies, quote, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Exodus. 
I'm so confused. Does anybody else get that? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little um, So sorry, Samuel. It's like I've had a... I'm usually shot by the end of the day. Um, so I'm going to try to try mix... He said, if avenged means death penalty... So I think maybe this is about the idea of like... If you... I think it was if you beat a slave to death, they could be avenged. In other words, avenged, like yes. someone could murder that murderer. Right. That's, that's um, so yeah. if avenged means death penalty, and if money means work or the ability to work, wages. And yeah. if this applies, uh, and this applies, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Yeah. I think, I mean, it seems like he's just arguing that uh, the Bible is against a wrongly mistreating uh, anyone, including foreigners. Yep. I mean, the Bible, also, it also says love a foreigner uh, as yourself in Leviticus 25. So I agree with him. I think he's spot on. Yeah, nice if that's what he's, if that's the point he's making. Yeah. Gotcha. And had a couple new questions come in as well. Thanks oh, great. so much. This one's from Barry. Barry says... <coughs> Praise in Matthew, would you agree to become Amy and Randolph's slaves under biblical laws? If not, why? Good question. Oh, I have yeah, a response I, after they seek. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to. I think uh, because if you look at Abraham, if he he was a master in the ancient Near East, he, they were privileged. These servants were privileged to be under such someone like Abraham. So I'm sh like Randolph. It looks like you know he's in a good situation, and Amy probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love to work with him. Maybe even get my ear pierced as a, a token or commitment for a lifetime. Um, Can I just? I, oh yeah, I, no, I, Randolph. I, just, you said I, I, I think I would. I think for me, I would probably say no, since both of you are atheists. I'm not sure if you'd be capable of following all 613 rules and regulations of the mosaic law and how do i know I that you'd be willing so no. at, how do i know that you'd be willing to love me as yourself and treat me uh and not oppress me so okay. i'm gonna have to pass i would say but I, if you could do that sure yeah i would be capable but i would refuse to do it because i think i disagree with it but i i would not accept slaves because i am opposed to slavery i'm uh, pro-freedom so it's just would not work i i wouldn't accept it although i'm i'm flattered that you you'd be okay with it praise i i would reject it because i have too much respect for everybody next thank you and wait oh i what randolph said but i i don't think they would actually accept i think if like we came to them with like collars and chains and we're like Time to strip down, time to give up your social security card, all that stuff, everything. You're just going to work for me. I'm going to give you a room if I beat you. Yeah. Stuff like that. It says it in the Bible. Really don't think they're going to be with us forever. Yeah, given, that's not what given, I was talking about. Given that the objection was for uh, the Christians, I got to okay, give them the I'm last sorry. word and then we'll go to sorry. the next one. Yep. No problem. Yeah, I don't think that would be under the definition of do not oppress your neighbor or a foreigner. So I think you would probably right. have to face the judges for that action. Right. I, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about dead servitude. That's all I was talking about. So Next. again, there's a miscommunication there. Next up, Cyrus White. Thanks so much for your super chat. If you had a comment or a question you want me uh, to read, just fire it in as a normal chat and let me know because I didn't see one with that super chat, but appreciate the support. And want to let you know, folks, perfect opportunity uh before we wrap up i do have to show you this earlier this week big debate so that's why we 
we were not here. What was it like Tuesday or Wednesday? We didn't have a debate. We had one scheduled. We were like, we're not going to compete with the presidential debate because oh, yeah. so many of our viewers probably enjoy watching those debates. So let me show you, though. We did put up a poll. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of you'll uh, forgive me uh, to our speakers. You will see it in just a moment. If you're watching the watch page, you will be able to see the results of the poll. We put up a poll. This is very unscientific, folks. Uh, I'm not trying to make any sort of case. Uh, this may be indicative of the amount of uh, the proportion of subscribers who are usually mean lean politically left or right or, you know, who happen to like Tom's chair. Because as you can see, surprisingly, Tom's chair uh, secured 31% of the vote. Congrats to Tom's chair. Uh, that's that's impressive. That's better than I expected. So very good. Uh, but yeah, I've been a big supporter ever since the chair started. I just want to... That's right. Yes. Tom and his famous chair. We love him. Oh, but we have another <laughs> question. This one comes in from animated the greatest chair on the Internet. No <laughs> doubt about it. What was it? I can't remember. I people quote me on that. There was a debate, I can't remember where it was Tom, like somebody else had an epic share. Oh, I think they were talking about when Dr. Richard Carrier was on, his internet at his house cut out. Uh, so this is like last week, and he drove basically to a, a place where he has service with a cell because he lives in the mountains. So he had to drive down the mountain, and he eventually, That's but yeah, he did the debate in his car. And so people were saying it's like Dr. Carrier's car seat versus... Tom Jump's chair. Uh, that was a fun one. Animated Effigy, thanks for your question, said, Will the apologists just admit that owning someone as property for any reason, in all caps, if it is against their consent, is always wrong? Your history is bad. <laughs> well, I would say for him to get uh, familiar with the term property in Hebrew acquisition, and this is a quote from a Hebrew scholar named Glenn Miller. So here's what he says. Property is seen as not as disposable goods, but as economic output. But there's other Hebrew scholars too. Jay Sklar. Um, it's just commercial language. And even God himself is called property of Israel. Ezekiel 44, 28. So I think that's a misunderstanding and a, um, an error on his part. I think you're. And I, I think you're not answering the question because I, I would say that owning someone as property for any reason, if it is against their consent, is always wrong. I absolutely agree with that. Agree with you that. agree with that point? Is I think what the nature. But of the that's not is. biblically what it means, though. So it's irrelevant. Well, it's I would. I would think a, a lot of prisoners. A lot of prisoners probably wouldn't like the idea of the state owning them after they broke the law against their consent uh so i think that's a very loose term and and very subject to conditions uh what owning another p person means because uh, even a child doesn't get to go around doing whatever they want they have to remain under the care of their parents or some sort of guardian until they get of a certain age you're, you're also not answering the question you guys do not want to admit that i think that this person just asked an excellent question animated well i would I, let me answer the question, question. i would i would question. say no owning someone is not always wrong 
Right. I disagree with you on that. Like th this is okay. against I their consent, and the prisons do not own people. Those yeah, people he, still have he needs rights. to elucidate that because nowhere in the text, the biblical text, it, it, it insinuates it's against their will. Nowhere the word property anywhere. I hate doing this, but I gotta give the. I mean, I don't hate it. Nothing against you, praise in Matthew. I, I, uh, I gotta give you guys the, the Christians the last word uh, because it was directed <laughs> at them, and I don't want to. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to take them to task. I'm noting that they are refusing to answer that question honestly. Well, no, I, I, I just, I just answered it. I said that I didn't think it was owning another person was always wrong. And by the way, modern society doesn't either. If you're okay with abortion, you're okay with viewing a human being as expendable property in the womb without their consent. So uh, this is nothing unusual. Even modern society has the same uh, viewpoints. I happen to think that is immoral, but most people uh, who, uh, you know, on the left, at least, do not have a problem with that. They're diverting the topic. It's again, it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's for any for owning a person for any reason, if it is against their consent, is uh, always wrong. Would include and the abortion. Pro -abortion. That would the be Bible's against their consent. So I don't know. What well, point we I, we could have a debate on that. I would love to, it's even though that's not the debate it today. It is a diversion, though. Yeah, but abortion know. is viewing another person. We as do property. have to. We uh, ought to, just because we're going to. I'm redirecting it back to the main topic. One, want to say, folks, all of our guests are linked in the description. So that way, if you want to hear more from our guests, you can. And so I really appreciate all four of our guests. I have to give a huge thank you to them because, you know what, it's, I've said it before, folks, and it's absolutely true. The debaters are the lifeblood of the channel. They make it fun. And so we really appreciate you, all of you. Praise Matthew, Amy, and Randolph. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks so much. Likewise, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It was fun. I enjoyed it too. Absolutely. And folks, yeah, I honestly, I hate saying goodbye because I'm just so happy to be back. I feel like it's been a, it's been a, almost a week. It's been since last Saturday night. It's been so basically, it's been crazy busy. But I'm so glad. Uh, we appreciate our moderators that have helped out, uh, Carissa and Converse, Praise, Der uh, Derek, and oh, Erica. Um, so yeah, Erica will be back tomorrow. She's going to be moderating an epic debate pictured at the bottom right of your screen right about now. And that's going to have Godless Granny for the first time. Godless Granny will be with us. That should be a lot of fun. I and Godless Granny. And I can vouch for her. She, she'll be fantastic. That's awesome. I'm excited like for the name. it. It's definitely that video, uh, the watch page is up already and it's gotten a lot of likes people seem to be really excited about that debate which is tomorrow on whether or not men and women are considered equal according to the bible that's going to be joshua from vietnam taking on godless granny and so that should be a really fun one and just like yeah to say that i'm looking forward to the day that men become equal to women gotcha here, thanks here. so much here, here. you know that that's so fascinating there's i, I was just talking to it was, there was, I had an interesting conversation about disagreeableness, men on average, if you're familiar with like the big five personality traits, men are clearly higher on disagreeableness, which is oftentimes not helpful at the extreme ends, especially. But <clears throat> however, uh, yes, we hope you feel welcome, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're an atheist, a Christian, a Trump supporter, a Biden supporter, you name it. No matter where you are, where you're from, we hope you feel welcome here. And so thanks so much, folks. We hope you have a great rest of your night. 
keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. Everybody take care. Thank you. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.